Here we go. Now my microphone is on. Hello, everybody. Cultivate. Ladies, we have it on the horizon. Really, really excited about this time we get to all be together. I want to encourage you. Make sure you get your ticket. Go ahead. Sign up today. You can even host a gathering at your home. We want every woman who is a part of Shoreline City to participate in Cultivate. I think it's 10 bucks, uh, and we're just doing that to make sure we get as many people as possible, that we can also use these resources to reach in and serve as many people as possible. So ladies, make sure you sign up, get there. It's going to be so, so much fun. I also want to give a little shout out to Nate and Whitney Louder. They were just doing the uh, announcements for us, our campus pastors in Antigua. Love them a ton. Did you notice how close their nostrils were to your face today? Did you notice that? We... <laughs> We messed up the, the lenses, so we were like all up in their face. So, Nate, Whitney, you're going to love when you see that a little bit later. And church family, I'm sure you appreciated that too. You got the, Matter of fact, there's a picture of Nate from way back in the day, and his nostrils used to be like this big. I mean, they were massive nostrils. They have since gone down. Him being married to Whitney, she has somehow decreased the the. the the girth of his nostrils. Uh, love those guys a ton. Love all of you a ton, church family. Today is going to be a great day. Those of you who just joined uh, Shoreline City uh, through Growth Track this past week, want to say so, so proud of you. I want to make sure everyone in our church knows we don't just want you being a spectator, we want you being a participator. So everyone who's at a home, at a neighborhood gathering, we're incredibly proud of you and excited about today. Okay, Lyndon, hop out of here. Let me talk to this other camera. Uh, hop out of here. Hop out of here, okay? Three words, three words for all of us. Thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come. Three incredibly important words, and we're going to unwrap these words today. And I pray by the time we're all done, every one of our hearts have been pushed forward to understand more of who God is and what he wants to do in our lives. Okay, I got, I got a question for you, and uh, not really a question, an activity. I want everyone to do this right now. I want you to think of somebody you don't like. Right now, go ahead. Think of somebody you don't like. Don't be so holy like, oh, I'm a Christian. I like everybody. No, think of somebody right now that gets on your nerves. Mother-in-law. Come on, I know I'm poking the bear on some of your Mother-in-law, uh, father-in-law. Your sister. Ooh, can't stand your sister. Your brother. How about your brother? Oh, how about your ex? Yeah, yeah, now we got some emotions going here. How about your friend's ex? Ooh, that right there, that'll get you, that'll get you. What else, uh, who else might we not like? Um, vegetarians, <laughs> just kidding. We love vegetarians, vegans, you're so thankful for you. But you can't stand a vegan who looks down on other people for eating meat. How about that, right? How about this one? How about um, people who wear leggings? <laughs> everywhere. Okay, can I just say, can I just say some of y'all going to have to start getting dressed at some point in time, okay? We cannot be walking around in leggings and t-shirts for the rest of our lives. We're going to have to put on some real clothes. You're going to have to put on some Madewell jeans at some point in time, my friends. But just think of somebody you, you, you gets on your nerves, somebody, somebody you don't like, somebody you can't stand, somebody that just kind of bothers you. Right now, we got this, we're in the midst of all this political stuff going on. Maybe there's someone you're thinking of right now and they used to be a friend of yours. You're like, oh my goodness, I can't stand that person. I mean, I love them, but I can't stand them. I don't, I don't, I don't want them to die. I just don't want them to live. <laughs> All of us might be at a, a different places thinking of somebody right now that it's just, oh, they get on our last nerve. You can be a Christian and people still get on your nerves. You can love Jesus and people still get on your nerves. You can love Jesus and even cuss a little bit, okay? Uh, that's not permission to cuss. I don't even need to give you permission to cuss. Some of y'all are cussing anyway. But just trying to say, hey, you and I are still human beings walking through this life, dealing with the stuff we're dealing with, processing through the things we're processing through, and trying to make sense of this world that we are living in. But in the midst of all of this, 
in the midst of you and I having some folks that might be getting on our nerves right now, and maybe you're thinking about the election, and you're thinking about Democrats or Republicans or Libertarians, or you're thinking about this group or that group. We just have so many different things going through your head and your heart, just trying to process through, what do I do with all of this? I want us to remember, followers of Jesus, these three words, thy kingdom come. That's our objective. This, my friends, is our call. This is our mandate. This is what God has asked all of us to do. So beyond our feelings, we have a faith that we have put in Jesus Christ. And now he is asking us, he's asking us, will you put my kingdom ahead of yours? See, the crazy thing, the crazy thing about, about this whole kingdom thing is whenever you and I have people that we don't like, God will challenge our kingdom by asking us to enter into somebody else's kingdom so that we can establish his kingdom. That's what he will do. So don't be surprised that the people that get on your nerves are the very ones that God is asking you to reach out to and love. That's what God does all the time. He keeps on messing with our flesh and keeps on pushing us forward and saying, you can't stay the way you are. I can't stay the way that I am here. Here's something. I'll even put it on the screen for you. In order to live thy kingdom come, in order to live thy kingdom come, I must be willing and you must be willing to leave our safe place and go. You're, you and I are going to have to be willing to leave our safe place and go. We're going to have to be willing to, to adjust from where we are and take a step. Uh, to put another way, in order for you and I to live this thy kingdom come, in order for you and I to express this properly, we're going to have to be willing to love like Jesus loves. We're going to have to be willing to go like Jesus was willing to go. As a matter of fact, in Matthew uh, chapter 28, uh, verse 19, Linda, you can come over here for me. Matthew chapter 28, uh, verse 19, the scripture says this, uh, therefore go, therefore go, therefore go into all the world. Therefore go into all the world. Therefore go into all the world. He didn't say therefore stay and stay comfortable and stay around a bunch of people that just think like you, walk like you, vote like you, talk like you, look like you. He said, no, therefore what I want you to do, this is Jesus before he ascends into heaven. He's saying, hey, followers of mine, I need you to go. I don't need you to stay. I need you to go. In English, God, three, two-thirds of his name is go, G-O, go, 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 go. Therefore, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. What I want you doing is pointing them back to me. So this whole thy kingdom come, this might be new for some of you. I, I don't want to assume that uh, all of us who are, are with us today have, have been on this whole journey, this church journey, and understand what we're talking about. We're even talking Jesus and God and the Bible and all of this stuff. And we even say a word like thy kingdom come. Who even says thy anymore? Let me, let me just break it down for you. Thy kingdom come. What we, this comes from the Lord's prayer. And the idea here, Jesus says, is what I want you to do is I want you to pray. I want all of you to pray, and I want you to pray some things that are very, very specific. And I don't have time to go through the whole prayer, but a piece of it when he's teaching his disciples to pray. He teaches you and I to pray, thy kingdom come, God, your kingdom come, your will be done. And what I want is I want it to be done on earth just like it happens in heaven. That's what I want happening. So when Jesus is teaching you to pray, teaching me to pray, he does not teach us to pray, hey, make my prayers all about me, my life about me. Yes, there's a portion in there that's about you. Uh, give us this day our daily bread. Not just me, but give us this day our daily bread. And those of you who are looking for some daily bread, a job, a relationship, some friendship, some strength, God will provide that for you. But it's not just about us. Matter of fact, the prayer starts with him, our, our Father. Hallowed be your name. Holy is your name. Then he goes through here. I am going through the whole prayer right now. You guys got me so excited. He, he, he goes through and he says, I want you to pray thy kingdom come, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Too many of us followers of Jesus are praying, my kingdom come, my will be done. And as long as you and I, you and I are praying, my kingdom come, my will be done, you and I are not in alignment with the plans and purposes of God. His kingdom is not a kingdom that's about selfishness and ego and pride. That's not 
what his kingdom is about. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, we talked about this last week. We're, God, we're called to, to say, hey, I want to seek first his kingdom. I want to seek first his righteousness, not my own, his kingdom, his righteousness. And everything else is going to be added to us. So let me just go over this kingdom thing real quick, okay? Got a king, cross, culture, conduct. We're praying thy kingdom come. We need to understand there is a king. His name is Jesus. And this king is not some mean dictator. This king was willing to get on a cross for you and for me and to take all of our sin and our shame and to put it on himself. I hope this does not get old to you. As a matter of fact, some of us right now who are in a spot of sin and you're feeling like God is against you, the cross is his announcement that I'm not against you, I'm for you. Those of you who are feeling like your worth and your value has been set aside because of what someone has said or what someone has not said or a job that you have or a job that you don't have or your bank account or your marital status or your gender or whatever it, it may be, and you're, you're wondering if your worth and your value has gone down. I'm just reminding you it has not. The cross already established your worth and your value. This, there's a king. His name is Jesus. He got on the cross and he got up out of that grave for you and I. And this kingdom that we are talking about has a culture, has a way that God goes about and does things. And that culture, that the value system of this kingdom, it informs how you and I live our lives. This is not just something that's, a, uh, something that's just on paper here, my friends. This is something that is, is meant to be expressed in how we serve and love others. So for all of us in here, this camera working right here too. For, for all of us in here, I just need you, I just need all of us to understand this. Okay, God is not about you and I just being able to memorize some verse of scripture and then we got it memorized and now we can just kind of regurgitate it, but it does not impact our souls and our lives. He does not want us just knowing some rule book here. This is not a rule book. It's a love letter. This is God expressing who he is and how he wants you and I to live. I have uh, been able to travel, uh, I think, a fair amount. Obviously, some of us are part of our church family. You travel tons. Uh, but, you know, you get on different, different airlines, and different airlines even have different cultures. You get on a Southwest Airlines flight, you know, and some of y'all are like, I don't fly Southwest. Well, that's on you because Southwest is like a party. I mean, it seems like everybody's happy. You get on Southwest Airlines, even in the midst of everything going on. Uh, it's been beautiful to see Southwest employees really being um, specific and still carrying the culture of, of, that, uh, of that organization. There's some other airlines you get on, man, you don't know what you're going to get, okay? You don't know. Some of them, you get on there, they're smiling at you. Then others of, of, the, of them, you get on there and they're like, uh, you're welcome. You're lucky I'm letting you on this plane. You ever get on some flights? You're like, what in the world? My wife is now talking to me in the background here. You're like, what in the world? You get on there and it's like you're doing them a favor. In the midst of all the furloughs and just, you know, I'm praying for all of you who are, whether it's American Airlines or any other um, airline that you're a part of, maybe you've been furloughed and some things have been happening. We're praying for you and trusting for God to give you every ounce of strength and peace and encouragement that you need uh, during this time. But, but man, it's interesting how some places just have their different culture and the way they want to kind of go about what they're doing. There is a culture. There's a culture to the kingdom. There's a culture to the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus expresses it perfectly. So let's start going through here. Len, let's talk. Let's, let's talk. Come here. Come here for a second from my friend Luke chapter 19. Jesus expresses it perfectly. He expresses the kingdom perfectly. He is the embodiment of the kingdom of heaven. He sets the example for us. I'm trying to be the best example I possibly can be. Uh, as your pastor, I'm honored and humbled that I even have this opportunity, this position in your life. It's, it's, it's a joy. It's an honor of mine. 
And I'm trying to do the best I can to keep my life surrendered to my Savior and in alignment with him. But Jesus Christ is our blueprint. And I'm telling you, news stations are not our blueprint. And not all political figures are our blueprint. I'm telling you, Jesus is our blueprint. And if we put our hope in any other place, you and I are going to miss it. Luke chapter 19, verse number one. Let's look at the blueprint we get from Jesus. What does this kingdom even look like? Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. This passage of scripture starts off with Jesus. He's at the center. He's the one that matters. He's the one that's the focus. He's the center of all of scripture. He's the center of my life and your life. Jesus, Jesus, go ahead and put his name in the chat. Jesus, I'm not just talking about God in general. I'm talking about Jesus, the son of God. I'm talking about Jesus who got on the cross and who died and who rose again. I'm talking Jesus here, not just some idea. I'm talking about a real person who walked in flesh and blood, whose blood spilled on the ground, the one who took the sin and the shame of all of us and put it upon himself. This is not just some idea, not just some good teacher. This is Lord. This is Savior. This is ruler. This is King. This is Jesus. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. Now, you got to understand when he's passing through right here, He's passing through chapter 19, obviously comes after uh, chapter 18. In chapter 18, a blind man had just been healed. This blind man was calling out to Jesus, Jesus, heal me, Jesus, heal me, Jesus, heal me. And Jesus uh, calls a man, well, it wasn't saying heal me, but essentially that's what ends up happening. Jesus heals this man. So a crowd, it's, that happens on the outskirts. And uh, I think you can read in uh, Luke chapter 18, I think it's verse 43. You can put that scripture on the screen as well. In Luke chapter 18, verse 43, this man uh, is healed of his blindness. And there's a crowd of people around Jesus. I mean, it's a party. Can you imagine this happening at your office or at Thanksgiving? And a bunch of, somebody gets healed and everybody's excited. There's individuals everywhere. This all happens on the outskirts of Jericho. Now this whole group of people, they're mobbing Jesus and they are now coming into Jericho. Now Jesus is entering into Jericho. He's passing through. He's on his way to Jerusalem. But in Jericho, something powerful is about to happen. And you and I, about to get the, a picture of the kingdom that we've been called to emulate. Let's go to verse number two. Okay, let me go to verse number two. This camera's back here now. Is that cool? Is that cool? You everybody see me okay? Everybody see me? You good? Okay. In, in uh, verse number two, a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was. But because he was short, <laughs> the Bible, why does the Bible have to put that in there? Because he was short, shout out to all the short guys out there too, okay? Just so you know, you're still a mighty man of God. Who cares what your height is? Somebody needs to go, yeah. Okay, he was short. He could not see over the crowd, so he ran ahead. He's obviously athletic. He climbs a sycamore fig tree. This guy might be into rock climbing. I don't know, maybe MMA. He, he climbs a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. I, I want to I wanna work on, I want to walk through this passage of scripture uh, right here. Okay, so chapter, chapter two, I mean, uh, verse two. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector. Okay, so the Jewish people, they are being occupied. Their land is being occupied by an outside government, an outside entity, the Roman government. So the Romans are taxing the Jewish people. And they're taxing them and taxing them. So they, the Romans hired some Jewish people to be the ones to collect the taxes. So now imagine... You're living in your land. You have your property. Some other country comes in, takes over your land, and now is forcing you to pay taxes to them. You'd be upset. Then they take your cousin, your mother, your aunt, your uncle, your family members. They hire them, and now the, your family members, the ones that they hired, are the ones coming to you asking you for the taxes. 
These were the tax collectors. People could not stand them. This guy, Zacchaeus, he was not just a tax collector. This guy had already risen through the ranks. He was now a chief tax collector. So he wasn't one of the ones collecting the money. He was one of the ones collecting the money from those who collected the money. Okay? So for those of you who used to be in the drug trade, uh, you understand that you got the guy in the street, but then you got the guy over the guy in the street. Okay? So he was that guy. <laughs> Some of you are like, yep, yeah, I know exactly. Now you brought me in. I know exactly what you're talking about. Others of you understand this because maybe you're in some, uh, when it comes to sales, uh, you've got your regional manager and your regional manager is connected to the sales that, that you make. There's like this, this chain that happens here. So it is with Zacchaeus. He is a chief tax collector. He is the one taking money from those who are taking money. The guy is rich. The Bible says he is rich. The man is rich. He's got a Benz. He's got, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to assume, I'm going to assume he's showing off some of his wealth, right? Just because you have a Mercedes Benz doesn't mean you're rich. We all know that. But, but, you know, he's got, he's got his car. He's got the house. He's got the, you name it. He's got it. It's all lined up. He's got his grill. For some of you, that means, you know, wealthy. Others of you, he's got, he's got his money in the bank. He, he's got his second house. He's got his third house. He's got his place in Colorado, and he's got his place in Florida. He's got everything that he needs. This man is rich. But his, his riches, let me say this. We all know Jesus came for the poor. If you don't know that, let me just let you know. He came for the poor, the marginalized. He did. Matter of fact, Jesus makes it really, really clear. He says, if when you feed someone who's hungry, when you give someone something to drink who's thirsty, when you visit someone in prison who is imprisoned, when you clothe someone who is naked, you are feeding me. You are giving me something to drink. You are visiting me in prison and you are clothing me. This is what Jesus says. That's why it's no wonder that whenever you and I, and as you continue to give your money, your resources to this church family, we're never going to stop clothing and feeding and helping and serving people. Jesus made it clear. Whenever we do that for the least of these, we're doing it to him. So we get the idea that Jesus came for the poor. And if you don't get that idea, I pray you get it now. But he did not just come for the poor. He also came for the rich. So those of you who do have some resources, those of you who do have some money, those of you who can put food on the table and have a roof over your head, he came for you and I as well. And you're like, I'm not rich. I'm it's all relative, my friends. Rich is all relative. Because right now, if you got a car and a cell phone and food and a roof over your head, I'm telling you, a lot of the world, you're rich, okay? And I'm rich. And we might not be rich compared to somebody else that we know that maybe some of our friends, but my friends, we are rich. Now he came for you and for me. He came for the rich. He came for the poor. Now Jesus is about to interact with this rich man and it's about to be powerful and it's about to be very, very important for you and I understanding what it means to go into another kingdom. Let's keep on going here. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. Linda, come over here for a second for me again, please, my friend. Um, he, 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 was, he was short, and he couldn't see over the crowd. He was short, and he couldn't see over the crowd. This, he has a desire to see Jesus, but he can't see Jesus because of the crowd. Uh, sadly, sadly, many times there are people that are trying to see Jesus, but they can't see him because of the crowd of the church. Sadly, the church is blocking the view of Jesus. The church is the one saying, no, 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 can't see, can't see, stay away, stay away. The disciples were even doing it with the blind man in, in um, chapter 18. Blind man's crying out and all the people are like, no, 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 be quiet, be quiet. This is a church. No, 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 you don't measure up. No, 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 you, you don't speak correctly. No, you, you don't vote correctly. No, you don't look right. No, you don't act right. No, you, you, we have all these regulations before someone can ever get to Jesus and we have created all of these boundaries and these barriers. 
My friends, God is working on the hearts of people. Let it not be the church that gets in the way of when God is working on the heart of one of his sons and daughters. Let us be the ones who are, who are opening up a path for the Zacchaeuses of the world to find a relationship with Jesus. But sometimes it's not the church that's messing up the view. Sometimes it's the culture. Sometimes it is the systems and the values and the philosophies and the ideals of a particular country or region or world. So whether you are in Africa or you are in Europe or whether you are in Central America or South America, wherever you may be, or you are in the United States of America, there can be a value system that tries to distract you from seeing who Jesus actually is. We have, uh, we support an organization that, that takes the message of Christ into areas that are sometimes hostile towards the gospel. And there are some nations right now that will edit the scriptures and change who Jesus is so that the government can look right. This is the culture trying to distort the view of Jesus. But I'm just telling you, whenever God begins to work on the heart of an individual, maybe right now, God is working on your heart. Maybe right now, you are not yet a, a follower of Jesus Christ. Right now, your own personal walk with God is, is fragmented, broken, maybe filled with lots of confusion. Maybe you're praying and you're not even sure if your prayers are making it anywhere. And I'm letting you know that God is the one that has been working on your heart and he loves you so much and is trying to draw you so close to him. And I don't want you to allow, whether it's crazy church people or crazy culture, to stop you from connecting with your glorious Savior because Jesus is after your heart. The desire that you feel in you to want more of God did not come from you. That came from God knocking on your heart. This is his prevenient grace drawing you closer, saying, son, daughter, it's time to come home. Okay, here. The, uh, this man runs and he jumps up a sycamore fig tree. So he runs all the way up, gets up in the fig tree. Now look, when Jesus reached the spot, verse number five, he looked up and said to him, Watch this now, Zacchaeus, come down immediately, I must stay at your house. Zacchaeus, come down immediately, I must stay at your house. I want you to see three things that Jesus does here, or three things I noticed. Number one, he knows his name. Number two, he speaks with authority. And number three, he goes to his territory. Okay, I want you to see this, because this is important. We're talking about living kingdom. Thy kingdom come. He knows his name. I am so done with Christians labeling groups of people and not knowing anyone in that group that they're labeling. I'm done with it. I'm done with Christians saying all of these folks, but you can't give me a name of anybody who's a part of all those folks. I have met, me personally, I've been on the other side of this. I've been on the other side of when people are assuming things about Christians because what they have heard about Christians has just come from some media source. This happens in our church all the time. People come and they're like, oh, I didn't know you were going to be like this. I thought you were going to be more judgmental. I thought you weren't going to like me. I thought you were going to be mean. Why is there so much joy here? Why is everybody so loving? It's because they were, they were sold some story, a narrative that was not accurate about who Jesus' followers actually are. My friends, can we please stop putting people in certain buckets and now just start looking at people like they're people? This world is trying to divide us. Newsflash, newsflash. The media is not out there to make it on earth as it is in heaven. Newsflash, the different media outlets, they do not have the objective of Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ first. 
news flash, every single person that we are digesting, it does not always have the same motive that, that, that Jesus would have in scripture. So you got to make sure you're going to a well and you're drinking from a well that's not filled with poison. I only get these, what, 30 minutes with y'all? And some of y'all log on late. So now you're like, man, I got to kind of YouTube and on demand this a little bit later. So I, I only get a few minutes with you. And what I'm trying to do is trying to get you from a drink, drink from the river or the river of life, trying to get you to drink from a savior that is pure and loving and holy, but he's also full of courage. Do you see, again, Jesus knows the man's name. I love that he knows his name. There is a level of understanding, connection that comes from knowing someone's name. What's your story? Why do you think how you think? Why do you vote how you vote? Why do you live while you live? Help me understand. I might not even agree and it might even offend me, but I want you to know I love you more than what you do or what you're a part of. Zacchaeus, but he speaks with authority. I like this. Christians, can I just let us know right now, you don't have to be ashamed of being a follower of Jesus. There's sometimes in this world, I, I have felt the pressure to be like, well, maybe I should be a little bit just kind of nice can sometimes in, in people's minds mean silent. And I don't think nice and silent are the same. I, I think as followers of Jesus, we could speak with confidence. And we speak with confidence on things of the kingdom. We speak with confidence when we know we're in alignment with his will and his word. He says, come down here immediately when he's talking to Zacchaeus. He's like, hey, I've got something I want you to know. I have to tell you some truth. I've got to give you some understanding. I've got to give you some love. I want to express the kingdom to you. Come down here immediately. But then he not only did he say come down here immediately, he says, I must stay at your house. I got to come to your house. Now, to some of us, that's not a big deal. We're thinking that's not all that, that doesn't matter all that much. But this matters. I got to bring London in for this one. It matters. This matters. Because we're about to find out Zacchaeus, he's excited about it. You can read that in verse number six. You're going to put it on the screen for him, verse number six. Zacchaeus comes down immediately. He's excited. He is, he's fired up. He cannot wait to have this meal with Jesus. But whenever Jesus said, I'm going to come to your house, in our day and age, this is just kind of like, oh, I'm going over some, somebody's house for dinner. It's not too big a deal. No, it's a big deal, but it's not too big a deal. But in Jesus' day, to go stay at someone's house, it was as if Jesus was was entering in to the man's sins with him. It was as if Zacchaeus's bad life was now on Jesus. And it was like the two of them were almost one. It was like Jesus was saying, I'm okay with what you're doing. So feel that for a second. I want you to feel that Jesus says to someone that everyone else can't stand, I'm going to stay at your house. And when he says, I'm going to stay at your house, in everybody else's mind, Jesus is choosing to enter into that man's sin. That's what they're thinking. But Jesus is actually interested in trying to get Zacchaeus to enter into the kingdom. And he is showing you and I a path. He came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter. He is going to be a guest of a, he is going to be the guest of a sinner. He's going to be the guest of a sinner. Can I just tell you, I just tell you this. If Jesus had listened to the crowd, he never would have gone to Zacchaeus' house. If he, had go, if, he, if he had listened to the crowd, he never would have gone to his house. If he had listened to what all the naysayers were saying, he never would have gone to his house. I, I'm just, I don't know what it would have looked like for Jesus to live in this day today. 
Because I just think Jesus would honestly go some places that would offend you and would offend me. I just think he would. And we would be the crowd going, I can't believe. What are you doing? Don't you know? You can't. And Jesus is like, be quiet. I'm about the kingdom. Um, okay, this story might offend some of y'all. This, my goal is not to offend you, but I found this interesting. I found it very, very interesting. My wife and I, the other night, with my mom, we were watching uh, these Dave Letterman interviews on um, Netflix. And um, so Dave's interviewing different people. And this one interview is with Kim Kardashian. Okay, so some of you are already like, ah! Okay, so I, I don't know, you know, Kim uh, personally. Actually, I, I, don't, I have not really followed much of the Kardashians. And I don't know if you, maybe I'm living under a rock or something. So I don't really know a ton about them. So this is really one of my first opportunities to kind of hear, you know, who these folks are. So um, my wife is way more into kind of pop culture and social culture and all of that stuff that, than I am. Uh, so I, 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 I like to spend my time in prayer. She, she's, more, she's more secular and worldly. Me, I'm like, I'm more like, like time with Jesus. So it's just, I mean, whatever, whatever you want to do, it's up to you, right? No, I'm totally kidding. She's way holier than I am. Uh, but but she, she, she's, you know, into this. So I'm, I'm listening to this, honestly, with kind of a blank slate. And I hear Kim uh, Kardashian talking about uh, this meeting she was having at the White House uh, with our current president, Donald Trump. And um, she is having this meeting, and it's about some uh, reform about this young lady. I think her name was, what was it, Alice Marie, Alice Marie something or other. Alice Marie Johnson, I think. Alice Marie Johnson was her name. And she got, this Alice Marie Johnson got like life in prison. And for the, uh, you could read, read the story. But Kim um, was talking about in the interview how people told her, you cannot go to the White House. You cannot. You cannot do that. And don't put stuff in the chat. Don't get crazy here, okay? This, don't, don't make this political on me here. I can't believe. I, don't, don't, don't do that, okay? Don't do that. One day, somebody's going to become president, but Jesus is still going to be king, okay? So we all need to recognize that. But she goes to the White House, but people are raking her over the coals for it. But she says in the interview, she says, I was going there on behalf of this woman who should not have been in prison for the rest of her life. And she said, what's worth more, my reputation or this woman's life? And I was like, okay, respect. Put some respect on that name right there. She was willing to let her reputation be drugged through the mud so that she can help a woman she didn't even know. I'm just telling you, that little snippet right there is a lot like this story here because Jesus was willing for people to talk bad about him so that he can go get somebody else out of prison. If, um, now, let's, let's, get, let's, let's, let's have a family talk. Let's have a family talk for just a second. Would you have gone to Zacchaeus' house? Would you have gone? Would you have gone knowing who he was and his reputation and how bad he was and how everybody couldn't stand him? Would you have gone? And we should not, my friends, think if, if today you and I would not go to someone's house who's disliked now, then we should not fool ourselves into thinking we would have gone to Zacchaeus' house then. It's a pipe dream. It's you and I saying about ourselves, we're so holy, we're so wonderful. I'm telling you, if you would not have gone, if you're not willing to go to somebody's house that you dislike now, then you and I would have not gone to Zacchaeus' house then because it would have cost you just as much. It would have cost me just as much. And in today's day, and age, day, today's day and age, we're so concerned about our optics, the picture. And what are people saying about us? And what are they thinking about us? But Jesus, he was about the kingdom. He was about the kingdom.
kingdom. He was about the kingdom. Where are the Christians that are about the kingdom and not about their followers? Where are the Christians that are about his kingdom and not about their popularity? Where are the Christians that are about his call and not about everything that's on their shoulders and what's going on in their lives? Where are the Christians that are about his name and his fame? And I know we're out there, but will we please stand up? Come on, church. We are about the kingdom and the world is trying to make us about the kingdoms of this world. But Jesus put us on here to be about his kingdom. His kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Okay, I got to get done here. I got to get done. I'm not sure if y'all going to keep on listening to me. You, you might even be cooking right now or doing dishes or who knows, who knows. Verse 8, but Zacchaeus stood up. I jumped, but he stood up and he said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Okay. I want you to notice that the only thing we hear from verse 6 to verse 8 is the crowd complaining. We do not see or hear the words that Jesus spoke to Zacchaeus to get him to change. We don't get that. We only get, right now, we only get his response. I don't know what Jesus said. And I was wondering if this was on purpose. Maybe the gospel writer, maybe the Holy Spirit did not inspire the gospel writer to write down what was said in that meeting so you and I wouldn't try to make it a script. But just wanted to show us it's not always about you, what you say, but are you willing to go? Are you willing to have the meal? Are you willing to sit and talk face to face? Are you willing to lose your reputation so that you can advance the kingdom? I'm not asking, are you and I just going to be foolish and dumb? I mean, of course, there's wisdom and common sense and all of that. And I, I don't have time to deal with every situation. That's what I'll tell you. That's what I will tell you. Um, the method might be different for all of us, but the heart is the same. Like how you and I respond in each situation might look a little bit different because there's so many nuances in this world. But the heart for the follower of Jesus, it's always the same. It's one of love. It's one of sacrifice. It's one of courage. It's one of faith. It's one of unity. It's one of power. It's one of the kingdom. Okay, I'm going to shut my mouth here because I've probably been talking too long already and you guys are ready to go and I don't know eat brunch, cheese and crackers, I don't know, toast, I don't know. Jesus said to him, verse 9, today salvation has come to this house because this man too, that everyone has talked bad about, and who has actually done bad things, this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man, Jesus speaking of himself, came to seek and save the lost. I'm all done here. But can I leave you, leave you with these three things too? that Jesus lived with conviction, Jesus lived with compassion, and Jesus lived for God's kids and God's glory. We see it all right there. How are you and I living? How, how are you and I living? Are we living lives of conviction? Or are we living lives of convenience? Are we living lives of preference or are we living lives of conviction? You cannot be talked out of a life of conviction. God bless politicians. God bless them. But man, politicians a lot of times, not all, but a lot of times they live for polls, not principles. 
And I'm just telling you, if that's your God, if that's, if that's your North Star, then you're going to be vacillating all over the place. Some of y'all are like, oh, I can't believe he said that. I'm just telling that's just the reality. You and I got to get locked in to someone who's not changing. And I'm telling you, that's not even me. Because pastors can kind of be fickle as well. I'm telling you, we have been called to live a life of conviction that Jesus, because you change me and transform me, you can have all of me. I can't be bought. No one can have my integrity. No one can have my character. No one can have my voice. No one can have my call. No one can have my destiny because all of it belongs to you. But in all of that, I'm not ruling with some iron fist. I'm washing feet as I live a life of compassion. And that is not weakness, my friends. That is strength. And I'm not living this life of conviction so that people like me. I'm living this life of conviction because God loves his kids. And because God loves his kids, so do I. And it's not about my glory. It's about his. So church family, I'm asking you, Shoreline City, I am calling you to stand up in this time. And in a season where the world is trying to tear everything apart, I am asking you to express and to live the kingdom. Thy kingdom come. My friends, this is not easy. But it's good. It's so good. Because generations from now, when people are looking back at this time, let us be a people that did not sell our souls for the temporary, but lived our lives for the eternal. Everyone, you're going to go, you're going to go vote this week, and I want you to do it. If you, if you haven't voted, those in America or U.S. citizens, go ahead and vote. I want you to do it. Make sure you use your voice and the freedoms that we have in this wonderful nation that God has given us to live in. Make sure you use your voice. But in the midst of all of that, we're not praying America's kingdom come. We, we are representatives of another kingdom in a foreign land. I wish I had time to break that down. We are representatives of another kingdom in a foreign land. We are represent. This is not home. Followers of Jesus, this is not home. You're just passing through. Like Jesus was passing through Jericho, you're passing through earth. So am I. Let us live our lives for his glory, his fame, his renown, and not our own. Father, I pray over Shoreline City, this entire church family. I pray over every man and woman. Matter of fact, I pray over every heart and every life. Even this next week, as individuals are going to polls, I pray, Father God, that your, your truth and your principles and your word would lead and guide us into all truth. But not just those who are going to vote, God, those in nations and worlds and who are in relationships and business problems and school drama and relationship struggles, I pray that your kingdom would come to all those areas as well. We want to be a people that are not about ourselves, but are about you. So God, give us a life of conviction. May we be so rooted in your word and in your truth that nothing can uproot us. And whether it is praise or it's pain, we will not be uprooted from living the principles of the kingdom. God, would you do that in our lives in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. I pray over every man and woman, whether young or old, black, white, Asian, uh, Latino, English speaking, speaking another language, whoever we are and wherever we are, I pray that your kingdom would come and your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven in our very souls. 
If you're watching today, if you're tuning in right now and you have not yet given your heart and your life to Christ, this is your moment of surrender. This is your moment to put him first in your life. So I'm going to ask you to respond to the grace of God in this moment and to say yes to him. I'm going to ask you to, to say, Jesus, I don't want to be the same anymore. I want to be in step and in sync with you. And I'm going to ask everyone who is tuning in right now, put your hand over your heart. And I want you to repeat this prayer out loud after me. Say, dear Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. I admit I've made mistakes, but today, in this moment, I give you my heart. I give you my life. Give me the power to live for you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's celebrate every man, every woman, every young person, every older person, giving their hearts and their lives to Jesus Christ. Uh, Lyndon, if you're still with me right here, I just want every one of us to know I love you. I care for you deeply. I'm so in your corner. I wish I could be sitting with every single one of us over a cup of coffee and connecting. Our church has grown so much now. I don't have the opportunity to do that, but what I do have the opportunity to do is keep on pointing us to Jesus and encouraging all of us to have community with one another. We are an alive church and we're still moving forward. And what I want us to all continue to do is keep on giving, keep on doing that, but keep, keep on giving what? I want you to keep on giving love. I want you to keep on giving forgiveness. I want you to keep on giving uh, trust. And I even want you to continue to keep on giving, yes, money for sure. I want to continue to put God first in our resources so we can get this message everywhere. But keep on giving humility. Keep on giving kindness. Keep on giving mercy. Keep on giving all of these things. Because my friends, these are the attributes of the kingdom. If you have yet to give your, uh, to, to make Shoreline City your home church, but you want to, Growth Track is your next step. So matter of fact, if you're watching this live uh, today on a Sunday, then you get the opportunity at 1130 or 1145, not 1130, 1145 to, to go to Growth Track. Uh, this is your way of finding out who we are as a church and the part that you can play. But also uh, every Wednesday, 8 p.m. Central Standard Time, go ahead and log on. We would love for you to join this church family because we're not stopping because of COVID and we're not stopping because of voting and we're not stopping because of division. As a matter of fact, this is our season to step even more fully and strongly into who God is calling us to be. This is our finest hour, church. This is an opportunity. This is not our time to shrink back. It's our time to step forward in humility and in confidence and conviction and with compassion. And today we get to sing some more. I love that we get to sing. Some of you, this might be the moment you want to go and make some eggs. Don't go make any eggs. <laughs> I want to encourage you instead. I want you to enter in. I want you to sing with us because we're believing that a revival is here because we're serving a God of revival. What is revival? New life, new salvation, awakening, taking off the old, stepping into the new. That's the season we are in right now. We are not letting 2020 tell us who we are in Christ. The scriptures already told us who we are in Christ and that's who we're gonna walk and be all of our days. So church family, I want you to stand up if you wouldn't mind. If the words are new to you, that's okay. It's a little Christian karaoke right now. We get the opportunity to sing, but it's not just karaoke, my friends. This is worship. This is you and I saying, Jesus, you get my everything. This is a prayer that we are praying to God. We are singing it to God. And I want you to sing it with all of your heart. Even if you got a bad voice, go ahead and sing it with all of your heart. And let's trust God to grab a hold of our hearts and our lives. I love you, church, and I'm praying for you.